Well, it's so good to be with all of you guys and to get to dive into God's Word. I was talking to Seth earlier out in the atrium. He said, all right, we all set? And I said, I don't know, man. It just feels kind of like a whirlwind uh, morning. And he said, yeah, I know. It just feels kind of unsettled. And I looked at him. I said, probably because Pastor Ryan's not here. <laughs> and he said, yeah, that, that might be part of it. I, I texted with Pastor Ryan this morning and uh, they are all moved in. Well, I mean, they're, they're, they're in the house. I mean, all the junk is in there. And they're getting settled into their new home, and they're getting ready to connect with their new church family. And we are praying for them and excited for them. He messaged me back and said, man, praying for all of you guys in Port Clinton this morning. So uh, my name's Todd, and uh, I'm going to be spending some more time here with our Port Clinton family. And I'm really, really looking forward to that. Just this past week, I had my first official meeting uh, over at the Port Clinton campus and met with some sweet ladies and just dreaming about, about the importance of prayer and coming together corporately. And I thought, man, that's, that's the way to start a very first meeting is to start with prayer. That's really, that's the, that's the way to start everything is <laughs> to start with prayer to depend on God. It's our number one value here at the chapel. And, and part of depending on God is, is depending on his word. And so we want to take a few moments. We are in the book of Acts. And this weekend we come to Acts chapter 19. And what I'd like to do, in fact, if, if you have your Bible, you can open there to Acts 19 if you're using one of our chapel Bibles, which, by the way, they're always available right out at the Welcome Center if you want to borrow a Bible or if you want to just take it if you don't have one. Um, it's on page 893, or if you're following along on a smartphone. I'm not going to put the passage up on the screen at first. I'd like for us to just listen to God's Word, and then we'll take some time to wrestle it through together. This is Acts chapter 19. It says, While Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus on the coast where he find, found several believers. Did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? He asked them. No, they replied, we haven't even heard that there is a Holy Spirit. Then what baptism did you experience, he asked. And they replied, the baptism of John. Paul said, well, John's baptism, it called for repentance from sin, but John himself told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. It says, as soon as they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. And then when Paul laid his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them, and they spoke in other tongues and prophesied, and there were about 12 men in all. Verse 9, or verse 8. Then Paul went to the synagogues, and he preached boldly for the next three months, arguing persuasively about the kingdom of God. But some became stubborn, rejecting his message and publicly speaking out against the way. So Paul left the synagogue, and he took the believers with him, and then they held discussions at the lecture hall of Tyrannus. This went on for the next two years so that the people throughout the province of Asia, both Jews and Greeks, heard the word of the Lord. God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. When handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his skin were placed on sick people, they were healed of their diseases, and evil spirits were expelled. A group of Jews was traveling from town to town, casting out evil spirits. And they tried to use the name of the Lord Jesus in their incantation, saying, I command you in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, a leading priest, were doing this, but one time they tried it and the evil spirit replied, I know Jesus 
And I know Paul, but who are you? Then the man with the evil spirit, he leaped on them and overpowered them and attacked them with such violence that they fled from the house naked and battered. The story of what happened spread quickly all through Ephesus to the Jews and Greeks alike. And a solemn fear descended upon the city, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. Many who became believers confessed their sinful practices. A number of them who had been practicing sorcery brought their incantation books and burned them at a public bonfire. And the value of the books was several million dollars. So the message about the Lord spread widely and had powerful effect. Wow, what a story. The book of Acts is the unfolding of the early church and the gospel of Jesus and, and radical life change happening in people as they, as they came to faith. And yet, you know, most of us, we've grown up in a day and age and in a culture that says that really matter is all that matters, right? I mean, unless you can touch it, see it, feel it, explain it, uh, quantify it, then, well, it can't be real, which kind of, I mean, it takes God and it takes spirituality and it takes the supernatural just kind of out of the picture. But then we come to Acts chapter 19, this historic record. And I mean, there's crazy, miraculous, supernatural things. I mean, there's aprons and handkerchiefs that are placed on people and they're being healed and, and there's demon-possessed people and there's people that have given their life to sorcery and and they're 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 throwing their books away and turning to Jesus. And so it it makes you wonder is matter all that matters or is matter all that matters not all that matters. It it, it poses questions that we all have to wrestle with like is it possible for the physical and the spiritual world to both exist. And maybe, you know, many of you, you've come today and you're like, Todd, yeah, I, I already believe this. Like, I, of course. And yet some of us may be here and you, you're, you are just kind of exploring faith. And, you know, you're one of those just like, give me a scientific method for this. Like, give me, give me proof. I, I need to see it to believe it. Or maybe, maybe you've grown up in church for many years and your, your faith has been very rigorous and religious, but dry and emotionless and sometimes seemingly powerless. And so you wondered, is the supernatural really working today? And do miracles really still happen? And so we asked the question, what if? I mean, what if it's possible that both physical and spiritual realms exists? Uh, what if what we can see and what we can't see exists? What if uh, what we can explain and what we can't explain could still possibly be real? And so we want to take a few minutes to, to kind of pick apart this story in the book of Acts chapter 19 and reflect on it together. And I can't, we can't convince one another of the reality of the spiritual realm or the supernatural world or the miraculous. Only God can do that, but we can look at the evidence, historic evidence, of some pretty amazing, miraculous things that occurred. 
So let's go back to Acts chapter 19, and it begins saying, while Apollos was in Corinth, Paul traveled through the interior regions until he reached Ephesus. So he's in Ephesus, and he comes across some people. It says he found several believers there. Now, typically when we see that word believer, we're making an assumption, well, they are people that believe in Jesus. But I'm not so certain that that was the case here. They might have believed in God, and certainly they believed in the message that John the Baptist came carrying. And Paul here, he asked them a question. He says, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? The Holy Spirit had come upon the believers in the book of Acts in a new and powerful way, not just coming over them or on top of them for a moment, but indwelling them. And Paul was asking, have you guys experienced the Spirit in this way? And they replied, they said, well, no, we, we haven't even heard that there's a Holy Spirit, which, which says that there was still a disconnect in their life. They might have believed some things about God. They might have been looking ahead towards what God's word had promised and even what John the Baptist had foretold, but they didn't even believe or know of the Holy Spirit. In the book of Romans, it says, and remember that those who do not have the spirit of Christ living in them do not belong to him at all. So there was something significant missing in their lives. And Paul asked them about their baptism. So he he goes on, he says, well, then what baptism did you experience? He asked, and they replied, well, the baptism of John. And Paul said, John's baptism, it called for repentance of sin. So they had, they had confessed their wrongdoings and asked for forgiveness. It says, but John told the people to believe in the one who would come later, meaning Jesus. And I love John the Baptist's words. He says, I mean, he was getting popular and people were coming after him and they were following him and they wanted to be baptized by John. And, and, but, but John was always saying, listen, no, there's one There's one coming who's so much greater than I. I'm not even worthy to untie his sandals. John's life was all about pointing people to Jesus. And now Paul is having to remind these individuals that had received the baptism of John that their faith and hope needed to be in Jesus. I was thinking about this. I saw some pictures on social media. Probably some of you did too. This past week, Pastor Ryan was uh, out on out on Lake Erie, and there was a group of, of men, some of which were, are, are in recovery, and they wanted, before Ryan moved off to Michigan because of relationship and friendship, they wanted him to baptize them. And several, several guys went down under the waters and identified with the death and the burial and the resurrection, the new life that's found in Jesus. And, and certainly, some of them, they, they really... It's special. Like who, I mean, I remember who baptized me and like there's a special connection. But what I love is that Ryan's heart wasn't to give them the baptism of Ryan. It was, when they went down under the water, he said, I baptize you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. I baptize you in the name of Jesus. Our purpose is is to point people to Jesus. And Paul, here in Acts 19, he's having to repoint them to Jesus. He says, listen, I know you were baptized in John's baptism, but John himself said, you got to put your faith in the one who is yet to come. And Paul was saying, and he's come, and his name is Jesus. He's the Messiah, the Savior of the world. And he went to the cross, and he, he, was, he was punished for your sins and mine, and he rose from the grave. And 
The, the text goes on to say, and as soon as they heard this, they were baptized again, a second baptism, and now in the name of the Lord Jesus. And it says, when Paul put his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came upon them. And as a result, they spoke in other tongues and they prophesied. And it says there were about 12 in all. 12 individuals that had been baptized in the name of Jesus now. And now the, the natural world and the spiritual world were colliding. And the miraculous was happening. In fact, there was this sign that happened in this moment in history. And as they were filled with God's Spirit, they started to speak, it says, in other tongues. Now, that can be a confusing thing. And depending on like your church history and background and heritage, the, the, the word tongues literally means languages. And I think we see both happening in in the scriptures that sometimes people spoke in other tongues and it was an unknown language to other human, human beings. And it was a, a unique, unknown language that was between a person and God as they just lifted up their soul with words that might seem unintelligible to others, and yet to God, he was being glorified. But also in the book of Acts, in fact, the first time that the Spirit came upon believers and indwelt them, the Bible says people heard people praising God in their own native languages. It was like God supernaturally, there, I mean, there was a, a mad gathering of people from all different walks of life and different backgrounds who spoke different languages, and yet people, it says, were filled with God's Spirit and they were praising God not in their own native tongue, but in other languages that other people were gathered there could understand and hear. All miraculous. Now, what's important for us to understand is what's most important is that we put our faith and hope in Jesus, okay? And, and when people spoke in other languages, yes, sometimes that happened after they put their faith in Christ, but the whole teaching of Scripture is not that that happens every time or with every person. I think it's a special spiritual gift, and not everybody has every spiritual gift. And so if you're like me and you've never spoken in another, I mean, I mean, maybe some Spanish here or there, but I mean, you've never spoken in another language. You've never spoke in some heavenly language where you just connected to God Listen, if that's you, you don't have to feel like you're somehow a, a less than level Christian. And the flip side is if you're here this weekend and you're like, no, that, I have experienced that. What you also need to know is you're not at a higher level than anybody else either. The, the main thing is that we have the spirit of Jesus living within us. And, and when we put our faith and hope in Christ, his spirit comes in and he begins to work and we begin to see things in a new way. And we see not just the natural world anymore, but we start to see and perhaps even experience the supernatural. And that's what was happening in the book of Acts. And it says as a result, God gave Paul the power to perform unusual miracles. So, I mean, not, I mean, a miracle is a miracle, right? But these are unusual, like not run of the, I guess there were just run of the mill miracles happening, right? This kind of, oh yeah, you know, just, you know, we just, that guy just came back to life, no big deal. And, you know, um, oh, he, that guy just started being able to see even though he couldn't. And, and, and Paul started performing unusual miracles. 
In fact, catch this. And man, I'm telling you, I've got like deep Baptist roots. And so like this messes with some of my background and history and some of my early theology. And it says, and when handkerchiefs or aprons that had merely touched his, that is Paul's skin, they were placed on sick people and they were healed of diseases and evil spirits were expelled. Okay, anybody else in here like, really? I mean, I'm, I'll be honest, like, I just get this image in my mind. It's like an infomercial on some religious channel. It's like, and for $49.95, you too can get a handkerchief from Bishop, you know, so-and-so and so-and-so. He's personally sweat on this, this cloth. And yet, you guys, something happened here. Something incredibly miraculous and powerful. Uh, last weekend, um, after the church services, I uh, went back to my office, and there was a, a gift bag on my office door. And I thought, well, I mean, it was a nice thought. My birthday was at the end of July, though. Okay. <laughs> so I, I took a peek, but then I saw the card, and it said Carter. It was, uh, it was a gift for my son, Carter. And Carter's uh, 15 years old, and some of you know, and you've, some of you have been in the journey, and some of you have been praying for us and praying for our son. He has, he has inflammation on his brain, which causes just a whole host of issues, and this has been going on for almost a year now. And it's been, I'll be honest, I mean, it's just been <laughs> a heavy, hard, long, dark valley. And uh, Carter was with us at a staff meeting just a couple weeks ago. And in the meeting, because sometimes he'll just say things or get up and interrupt. And, and he got up and he says, I love, I love Iron Man. <laughs> and everybody's like, okay, well, that's awesome. Iron Man's cool. You know? And so <laughs> this just says something about our team and our staff members. They love each other. They, we love each other. And this was the gift that they got Carter. Um, it's a... It's kind of cool. It's an, it's an Iron Man, like, cozy. So, so I mean, it was special. I mean, it's so fun. It's so kind and so special for Carter because he loves Marvel and he loves, you know, superheroes and he loves. But here's the thing. This is what. So our worship leader at our Sandusky campus, Meg, she's the one that bought this. And last weekend, she took it into the green room, which is kind of like a, it's like back here, over here. It's where the worship team gathers before the services. And, and we just share life and pray for the services. And She took it into the green room and she, she laid it out. And every single worship member and choir member they just laid their hands on the blanket and they prayed over it and they prayed over Carter. And she, she messaged me, she said, I, our prayer is just that that blanket in some way would bring some extra comfort and healing and God's power over Carter's life. 
Now, 20 years ago, I would have been like, that ain't going to do anything. Come on, that's... And sometimes our background and our upbringing, maybe our lack of religion or our too much religion, can cut us off from perhaps experiencing something that God may want to do that might not make sense or that we can't explain or control. And sometimes you have to come to places in your life where you're just desperate enough that you'll say, God, I'll try anything to heal my son. And Paul there was just something happening in his life. God's spirit was on the move. And miraculous, I mean, handkerchiefs and aprons were healing people and setting people free, even from demonic possession. And it was really happening. And the text goes on to say, and the story of what happened, it spread quickly all through Ephesus to the Jews and Greeks alike. And it says, a solemn fear descended on the city. And it says, and the name of the Lord Jesus was greatly honored. You see, you guys, the point of miracles is not the miracles. The point of miracles is to point always to Jesus and to his power, his ability, his supernatural power and ability that can do beyond what we think can be accomplished. And it says many who became believers in this moment, they started to confess their sinful practices. In fact, it says a number of them who had been practicing sorcery they brought their incantation books and they burned them at the public bonfire. Like God's spirit was so radically grabbing a hold of people's lives and people that had followed dark powers and dark magic and, 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 and who had seen perhaps even miraculous things occur were so dumbfounded by the power of God at work through Paul by God's spirit in other people's lives that they started repenting and they took the things that they were leaning on and that they were finding power in and they burned their books. <laughs> There's a beautiful picture called the Sermon of St. Paul of Ephesus. And, and, and at the bottom of the picture, you can see it's this imagery of the books being bought and the books being burned. The miraculous was happening. And Acts 19, verse 20 says it all. It says, so the message about the Lord spread widely and had powerful effect. That's what God, God's spirit is about, power and changing people's lives. It may not be just, you know, rescuing someone from cancer. It may not be a, a check in the mail when you were in dire needs. The greatest miracle of all is the change of the human heart, of moving a person from, from selfishness to servanthood because of what Jesus has done and the way that he has served us. What if, I mean, what if, guys, what if what all that matters is not just matter, right? 
C.S. Lewis uh, put it this way. C.S. Lewis was a, a devout atheist and, and a naturalist for a long time of his life. It says, and he, this, these are his own words. He says, listen, if naturalism, if naturalism is to be accepted, then we have the right to demand that every single thing that sh- we should see in general, how it could be explained in terms of the total system. And what he's saying is, listen, if you're a naturalist, then you have to demand that anything that you see and experience has to be able to be explained by that naturalistic system. But then he goes on to say, if, but if one, any one thing exists which is of such a kind that we see in advance the impossibility of ever giving it that kind of explanation, he says, that naturalism would be in ruins. And, and it is. <laughs> Because, I mean, regardless of what you believe, regardless of where you're at in your own spiritual journey, I bet every single one of us in this room, at some point in life, we have experienced something that we could not explain. And maybe, just maybe, that's God trying to get our attention. I want to introduce you to a, a new friend of mine. His name is Tom. Tom, Tom Klepper. Tom's, he's just a simple man works at a grocery store. He started coming to our church about three months ago. I remember the first time that I met Tom, and I said, hey, I haven't met you before, and he introduced himself. And I mean, he was just kind of moping around the atrium. And, uh, and Tom, he just, I said, so what, what brought, brought you to the chapel? He said, well, somebody said I should come. And he started to describe his life. And he told me about the hardship, and he told me about all these losses in his life, and over the, even just over the last few years, he's like lost five different close family members or friends, including his own wife. And he was just weary and broken and angry and bitter. Well, just a couple weeks ago after the service, he stopped me in the in the atrium, and he said, hey, do you guys, like, do you, like, talk to people? I'm like, yeah. It's like, what we do. He's like, I mean, you could, like, I could, I could, sit, I could, I, cause I, I need to, I need to ask you some questions. I need to talk to you about some things, but I can't, I can't talk to you about it right now, right here. He's, I, I said, well, yeah, call the office, and let's, let's, let's talk. And that Tuesday, Tom came in, and he sat down in my office, and he said, Todd, he said, some things have been happening in my life and I don't know what to do with it. I don't know how to explain it. In fact, he said, I, he said I, I'm just going to be honest, Todd, I'm pretty dumb when it comes to the Bible. He said, but I've, I've learned more coming to this church in the last three months than I've learned in the first 60 years of my entire life. And he said, that there's some things that I've been experiencing and he said, I don't know if I'm going crazy or if this could be God. I said, tell me more. He said, he said this is going to sound crazy. He said, but a, a long while back, he said, one time I was on my computer and all of a sudden the computer screen, it just went blank. And then all of a sudden an image popped up an image that's not on my computer. And it was an image uh, of, a, of a man, and he was standing on a cliff, and he was going like this. And then down beneath, 
in the valley was just hundreds, thousands of people, and they, they, were all, they all had their hands up. And he said, when I first saw that image, he said, it, it shocked me, and it kind of scared me, and I, I didn't know what to think about it, and it was only there for a few seconds, and then it was just gone. And then Tom said, he just started shaking. And he said, Todd, last week, I was watching TV, and, and the TV screen went blank. And then he said, and then that same image came on my TV screen. And he said, I thought, I wonder if that's Jesus. And he said, Todd, it was only there for 30, about 30 seconds. He said, but you know I told you about all these losses in my life. He said, all this, this anger and frustration and grief and depression. He said, and he goes, it's just like all right here. He goes, but I saw that image come on the screen, and I looked at it, and he's, and he's just shaking. He's like, and it just all started to lift. He said, and it's gone. He said, Todd, I, I used to dread getting up for the day, and I don't know how to explain it, Todd, he said, but Every day I wake up now and I can't wait to live. He said, and Todd, it's like, you know, I, there have been all these incredible blessings in my life, but I could not see them because I was so focused in grief and hurt and pain. And he said, it's just, and I said, like, almost like a new perspective. And he says, yeah, that's it. And he said, could that be God? And I said, Tom, there's nothing that you've described today. I know it's out there. It's kind of crazy. But there's nothing that you've described today that makes me think it couldn't be. And I said, Tom, I think sometimes, I want to say this to all of you, sometimes God will do something so radically powerful and unique and unbelievable miraculous to do one thing, to help one person realize God is there. He's real. He loves you. And he cares. And Tom Klepper's life is radically being changed. <laughs> he said, I just it's like everything's new. And he's, he's put all of his faith into Jesus, and he's discovering what that means, what that looks like. And I just wonder, guys, for some of us that have grown up in the religious, and, and it's, but it's been cold, it's been uneventful, it's been routine, or some of us that have grown up being completely irreligious, not, not believing anything spiritual, like, no, you're going to have to show me, you're going to have to prove it to me. Those of us that have grown up thinking, hey, all that matters is matters, what if matter is all that matters is not all that matters? What if there's more? Would you pray with me? Jesus.